And welcome into the most accurate podcast. My name is Anthony Stolter, joined as always by my partner in crime, John Paulson. 444.com at 444 underscore John at, uh, at Anthony Stalter. Appreciate everybody tuned in, whether you're listening uh, on the podcast or you're uh, streaming us. We, we do appreciate it. Uh, John, I guess we have a Thursday night football game between my Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. I know your thoughts on uh, Dante Foreman, who had another big game. Maybe some thoughts on Cordero Patterson and his touches as well. We'll get into this week's big storylines the sleeper sneaky start of the week hand out some sneaky starts and discuss a little bit about the uh, breakout receiver model see who's popping this week but we do start off with that Thursday night football game John and um, whether it was Marcus Mariota just deciding to uh, you know wing the ball anywhere he wants to uh, regardless of whether or not the the receiver is wearing his jersey or it was a DB uh, or his offensive line deciding to punish him by just, I don't know, allowing free rushers. It was a pretty nasty day, night for the Falcons. But from a fantasy perspective, what do you think about Dante Foreman? Uh, another big game for him against Atlanta, another big game overall. Chuba Hubbard didn't really play that much. He was active but didn't play that much. In fact, it was um, Blackshear who got a lot of the RB2 work. But Foreman, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I think this was – and this is a game I'll just uh, – you know, I didn't watch it um, – I apologize to everybody out there that I didn't watch the the pan the four and what is it four and five Panthers and the, the or the two and seven Panthers and the four and five Falcons battle it out. Uh, so maybe you could uh, speak to the weather and if you think that that impacted things. I want to talk to Chris Allen about that. There was a lot of concern heading in with the the winds at about eleven miles per hour, a little bit of rain. Uh, I, I did you know I I do pay attention in the pregame to see if it's really bad. You know you can see the, the reporters down the field and if things really blowing around, then I start to adjust uh, projections a bit more. But typically with that type of weather, I don't adjust a whole lot unless the line really drops or, or the, you know, we're seeing 20 plus mile per hour uh, winds. But uh, I think coming in a uh, lot of questions in my AMA about Dante Foreman. Uh, I did, I was concerned that we just, it was an unknown uh, situation as to what, uh, Hubbard's role would be. And last time we saw him healthy, he was actually starting and leading this backfield. Uh, then Foreman had that huge game against your Falcons, the three touchdowns, the three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Uh, and uh, then he had like a bad game last week. So it was kind of up in the air as to like how they're going to divvy up this backfield. And uh, I, I was checking on the box score and seeing that Foreman is starting to rack up the yards and he, then he found the end zone and he ended up with 31 carries for 130 yards and a touchdown, you know, just one target though. So I think what it's, he's, he's like an RB two, right? The rest of the season looks like he's an RB two. Um, but we saw last week, what his floor is. If, if he, if they can't run the ball, then he might get 14 carries for 47 yards and nothing, you know, no touchdown, no catches or anything like that. So that's the floor. If he's in a good matchup like this week against the Falcons, uh, probably a safe start. And then uh, on the other side of the ball, uh, you know, really puzzled by, you know, you started Corey Patterson against me. We're playing each other this week. Uh, I have him in the Scott Fishbowl, started him after last week. I was, you know, I started him last week as well and got a good game out of him. Um, I was really you know interested to see what he did against carolina they don't have a very good rush defense uh the the falcons did rush 
25 times for 138 yards, 5.5 yards per carry. A lot of that was Marcus Mariota with his uh, three for 43. But, you know, for a four-man committee, uh, Caleb Huntley, five carries, Avery Williams, four carries, Algier, uh, eight, and then Patterson, five. Patterson only getting one. He's a converted receiver, and he's only getting one target. Uh, so the usage there, maybe you could speak to it knowing the Falcons as to what they were doing, but he only played like 38% of the snap. So not not the the second game that I was hoping for. However, it is a Thursday uh, after, you know, a short week after last uh, Sunday's game, and maybe they're thinking they need to sort of ramp him up and not overdo it on, you know, four days, three days after uh, playing a game. So, um, you know, other than that, not a whole lot of takeaways here. The, the Carolina defense did look really good. Five sacks, nine quarterback hits. So, you know, maybe they're streamable and, and good spots too. Yeah, you know, uh, a couple of things here. First of all, you, you asked about the weather. I actually made a really rookie mistake while filling out some DFS lineups, John, because I, I paid attention to a tweet from somebody that said that the, the not only the rate was the rain going to be bad, but they were estimating that the winds were going to be like 21 to 30. So immediately I jumped on, you know, all, all the running backs. As you noted, I started Cordell Patterson and Tyler uh, Algier against you in our in our league, thinking the Falcons run the ball can, all the time anyways. There, there's no way they're going to put the ball in the air. Uh, and I, I realized the mistake I made right away because the, I never checked the total. Uh, the And when I'm talking about the total, I'm talking about the Vegas total. It didn't move at all. So the fact that that didn't move, I over I overestimated that one tweet on the uh, on the wind. So just kind of, you know, throw no pun intended, but throw caution to the wind and, and really check that that total to or the spread to see where it's going, because Vegas will know before anybody else knows. So I made the mistake there. It wasn't as bad. And as soon as Eddie Pinheiro came out to kick the first field goal, I realized the, the mistake that I had made. So I, the wind wasn't a factor the Panthers are able to throw the ball as far as like the usage for Patterson and, and Algier and, and Huntley, they are a four back committee, man. They want to, they want to run the ball. doesn't matter what, if they're down 20 or up 20, they're going to run the ball. Uh, and it's clear that Mariota's he's not very good period. I mean, can't, I, I thought we would have said, we would have seen Desmond Ritter at one point because Mariota was completely overwhelmed. Uh, credit Carolina though. They kicked, they kicked Atlanta's offensive line. The, I mean, they kicked their ass all night long. And I was actually surprised when you heard when you read those numbers off before you talked about Mariota's rushing yards because that's really what it was. I, I think Patterson's still the guy around the goal line. I think Algier's still going to get a, a bunch of carries. I think he's still an RB two in my mind. It's just he's going to be he probably is going to be touchdown reliant. Um, but this is a team that will continue to run the ball consistently. It's just a matter of who gets in the end zone. But I still think Patterson's a solid play. I do want to give the the Falcons uh, an award because they did they did pass the ball more than they ran it. Uh, 30, 30 pass attempts, twenty five rushing attempts, and that's definitely a rarity this this year. Uh, they've been underwater in terms of pass pass rate this uh, this season. Yeah, I, I I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if Ritter starts to see some time here, John, because Mariota, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts uh, managers like like myself. I mean, he missed he missed missed Pitts all night long. You know, people blaming Arthur Smith throw Pitts the ball. They they targeted him a bunch, and Mariota was garbage. I'm sorry, he was. So, all right, moving on. That's my Falcon outlook there. Uh, very pessimistic as it should be. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get into this week's biggest fantasy storylines. We'll start off with Josh Allen back to back DNP. So he did not practice. If 
Case Keenum does start, John, what's the impact for Gabe Davis? What's the impact for, obviously, Stephon Diggs? And, you know, talk to us about Devin Singletary. Maybe maybe Singletary starts to get uh, more looks if it's Case Keenum instead of Josh Allen. Yeah, and the Vikings uh, overall have been, had a good season. Um, the defense is decent, pretty effective offense. Uh, so they should be able to put up some points. Uh, the Buffalo defense, obviously really good, so we'll see. Uh, if Josh Allen is inactive today or doesn't practice today, I'm going to take him out of the rankings and, you know, assume that Case Keenum is going to start. And then if, if he ends up being active without any practice on Sunday, then I'll deal with that on Sunday morning. But uh, Adam Hutchinson, our uh, injury expert, believes that he was going to miss in, the, in his training room article, uh, thought he would miss two weeks. I think he missed four weeks last time he had one of these UCL sprains or whatever it is. Uh, so, you know, the Bills are playing it very close to the vest. They're, it was The latest quote was hour by hour. They're doing it hour by hour. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it, it would seem very strange for a quarterback to play with no practice whatsoever. But um, I, I suppose it's possible. Uh, but, you know, they, their, their goal needs to be to have him healthy for the rest of the year. So if there's any chance of him re-injuring, then uh, uh, they should probably sit him. So... What that does to the uh, rest of the players there, obviously, it's going to be a big change to the line in the total because now you have Case Keenum instead of Josh Allen. And so I'll have to rerun those numbers. And then I think from a distribution standpoint, probably going to be a lot. You know, I think Stefan Diggs is relatively safe, but, you know, the peripheral guys like Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie and Dawson Knox uh, are going to move down in the rankings and not as trustworthy with, with Keenum. Uh, it's just sort of a black box. You don't know when these backup quarterbacks that play one game a year come in, what they're going to do. You don't have much uh, to go on, but typically they focus their attention on the uh, the wide receiver one or the top target. If it's a tight end, like, you know, if Kelsey, uh, if Mahomes backup comes in, Kelsey's still going to see a big role, but those peripheral guys are not going to see as many uh, targets or as much production. So, you know, maybe they do go a little bit run heavy and Singletary and, you know, short passes to Naheem Hines and uh, Cook, uh, but it just is going to throw all those bills, except for Diggs, I think is a safe start uh, up in the air. John, let's stick with the quarterback position. Talk about Matthew Stafford. He was not seen at practice on Thursday. He's in concussion protocol, and it, it sounds like either John Wolford or Bryce Perkins will take will, – will draw the start for the Rams on Sunday. They're getting first-team reps. So kind of a similar similar situation in L.A. as as with Buffalo. What's the impact on guys like Cooper Cup and the, the rest of the Rams' skill position players? Yeah, I think Wolford has been the backup there. Uh, Stafford's been pretty uh, healthy since he's come over uh, from the Lions, but I believe Wolford would get the start, but we'll see. I'll double-check that. Uh, yeah, and, you're, and it's another downgrade, but I think Cup is still very startable. Uh, just the offense is designed around him and he's going to see a lot of targets regardless. It's just, you you know, you're looking at him as maybe a top five, top eight guy instead of a, you know, possibly number one overall uh, receiver. And then the rest of these guys, if, if Stafford's out, it's just hard to start a lot of these guys. Higby has a uh, pretty, pretty good matchup. If I remember correctly, I think I wrote him up for sneaky starts. Um, yeah. Arizona 31st and Justin fantasy points allowed to tight end. So he's still, uh, tight end streamer uh, worthy. 
uh, has had a rough few games, but, uh, you know, started the season really, really hot. Uh, and just given the matchup, uh, you know, Arizona gives up a lot of points to tight end, so he'd, he'd be worthwhile. But I think after that, you're you're pretty scared to start any of these other Rams. All right, John, Travis Etienne has been an absolute monster. RB3 the last four weeks, 27.7 in points per game, half PPR leagues the last two weeks, and you've got him as your RB8 the rest of the season. I think the question that Travis Etienne managers have is whether or not he can keep this up. Yeah, I think the answer is yes. Uh, if you just look at what he's been doing with James Robinson out of the mix, it's just an insane workload for somebody that we were coming into the season thinking he's very talented. Uh, they don't seem like they want to lean on him as a bell cow. Uh, and James Robinson looks good in camp and uh, is being, you know, the, the beat writers are being told by the coaching staff that he is their RB1. Uh, so the, the, those uh, those drafters who just kind of drafted through it and, and took ETN uh, had a few you know tough games at the start of the season. He didn't uh, he didn't score more than uh, twelve fantasy points PPR until uh, week five, uh, but they just held on and now they're being rewarded with the after the the trade. Twenty four carries, one fifty six, and a touchdown uh, against Denver. Three carry uh, three catches for six yards. And then against Vegas, 28 for 109, two touchdowns with another two catches. Another good matchup this week against Kansas City, uh, 23rd in just a fantasy points allowed uh, to running backs. I will note that coming out of the bye, um, you know, Denver's a so-so matchup. Vegas is a really good matchup. So those two games aren't shocking given the workload. Uh, I would expect another 20-plus touch game for him. Uh, coming out of the bye, though, he's got Baltimore week 12, fifth and adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Then he has Detroit, which is obviously a good matchup, 28th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Then Tennessee, fourth, Dallas, third. Uh, so a rough stretch coming out of the bye. And then if you get into the finals, semifinals and finals, he's got the Jets that are 14th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. And then a really tasty matchup in week 17 against the Texans, 32nd and adjusted fantasy points. So he could be a league winner for you if you can get to your uh, – title game uh and he, you might because he's still gonna even in these bad matchups he's gonna be like derrick henry where he's getting 20 plus touches all right are there any healthy raiders because you got darren waller and hunter henry going on ir you've got mac collins that could kind of step into a bigger role but mac collins uh, in my opinion is more of a, a deep threat than somebody that is you know a high possession uh receiver and foster moreau who's the backup tight end We've seen a little bit of, you know, he, I forget we started three or four times a week ago, John. I can be of the actual number. Uh, but when it comes to these Raiders that are are healthy, that aren't Devontae Adams, do you trust any of them? Uh, I think they're in a short week where we have some players on by. They are certainly worthy dart throws, spot start type players. Uh, Moreau has been decent. Um, he's got at least five targets in each of his last four games. So that's the sort of workload that we're looking for. Uh, from a from a spot start, he's only averaging 36 yards uh, per game in that span. Uh, but he's going to have you know streamable tight end two type value for the next month with with Waller on the shelf. And then Matt Collins is more of the DFS uh, play where you're just hoping for a big game because he does he does have a few um, big games in his this season. Um, 
and is likely to play like almost 100% of the snaps, if not 100%. He did play 100% back in uh, week seven against Houston. He had eight uh, catches for 158 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets uh, back in week three. He had five for 66 on eight targets the week before. That's when he was got, getting picked up the first time off the waiver wire. Then he's had, you know, had a couple clunkers before the bye. He only had three catches for 33 yards in two games versus uh, Denver and Kansas City. Came out of the bye with two for 44 and a touchdown on three targets against Houston, seven for 64 on eight targets against New Orleans. And then last week, pretty disappointing, uh, two for 17 on four targets against Jacksonville, who were 28th just a fancy points allowed to receiver. So good matchup. He kind of wasted it. Now he's got uh, Indianapolis, Denver, Seattle, all top four against receivers. But with Hunter Renfro out, uh, Darren Waller out, uh, they're really going to need him. So I think he might be able to uh, produce or at least get the steady six to eight targets per game that we, we are looking for with, uh, with spot starts. All right, John, I'll throw a bunch of injuries at you in our injury roundup, and you can go you know, one by one if you choose to. Uh, Keenan Allen did not practice on Thursday. David Njoku did not practice on Thursday. You can talk a little bit about Harrison Bryant again. Ezekiel Elliott limited on Thursday. Jonathan Taylor was full practice Thursday, which is good. They're going to certainly need him. Uh, Deion Jackson did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Brandon Cooks limited on Thursday. As we know, he's been disgruntled after following the trade deadline in which he did not get traded. Ryan Tannehill, full practice on Thursday. So it seems like Ryan Tannehill is going to be back this week, sending Malik Willis back to the bench. Uh, Kyron Williams may return week 10. Malcolm Brown did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. So that's kind of our our uh, injury roundup, John. Just some thoughts on those guys. Yeah, uh, we don't know what's going on with Ken's, uh hamstring. We saw uh, a report that it was supposedly getting close, but he retweaked during the – This is that was after he retweaked it during the bye, which is really bad news because you're supposed to be getting healthier during the bye, not retweaking your hamstring. Uh, but Josh Palmer is going to be good in the short term, especially with Mike Mike Williams out. Uh, DeAndre Carter is a possibility as well. Uh, and Joku, I have him in the rankings right now, but because it did I did see a report that he was expected to play, but he did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and I'm waiting to see what happens today. Uh, but if he's out, uh, Harrison Bryant is a pivot, but he is not the tasty sneaky that we like uh, because he only ran 11 routes last week. I think there was some issues with pass blocking. So he, he was in, uh, he played a lot of snaps, but he was blocking most of it. So not a lot of opportunities for him to make plays with only 11 uh, routes run. So not a, not a no brainer. If Njoku has to sit, I think I would look elsewhere. Uh, Zeke Elliott against the Packers can't stop the run. Uh, he's certainly uh, an RB2, RB3 type if if uh, if he plays. I have Taylor back in the rankings now. I think he's going to play Deion Jackson with a knee injury. I think he's out, uh, but we'll see what Deion Jackson's able to do uh, today. Uh, it looks like Jordan Wilkins right now is the backup, but uh, they do have Zach Moss in the mix there as well. Uh, they did cut uh, Philip Lindsay um, yesterday, I think. So Looks like Cooks is going to play. Wouldn't feel great about starting him, but uh, you know some people have to this week. He's a good player. We'll see if he's you know plays angry maybe, um, or if he just phones it in, quiet quits on, on the Texans. Could go and then uh, yeah, uh, Tannehill 
if he plays, um, you know, I think this is a two quarterback type question. Um, I've got him in the rankings right now at 25. Denver is the worst matchup for quarterbacks uh, in the league. So pretty dicey to start him. They probably would lean on uh, Derrick Henry quite a bit. Uh, and then Kyron Williams, I think the, the Rams backfield situation has been one we've been watching all off season or all season. And, you know, Daryl Henderson is still the lead back. Cam, Cam Akers is back in the mix. But there was a lot of talk about how much the Rams love Kyron Williams and that he was slated prior to week one uh, to have a role. So they don't seem uh, in love with Henderson, giving him 15, you know, touches consistently. Uh, Akers is back. So we might see it's a good in deep leagues. It might be good to stash Kyron Williams. We still on the waiver wire, but this, this Rams running game has not been uh, really productive at all. So it's not like you're, you know, gambling on a Tony Pollard type in a, in a great running game. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty tough there for the Rams. All right, time for the sleeper sneaky start of the week. Sleeper, of course, one of the fastest growing customizable fantasy football platforms in the in the industry. You can head to sleeper.com or download the Sleeper app and uh, check it out for yourself. John and I use Sleeper in our league, and we we certainly uh, have grown to really enjoy it. We've used other uh, formats in previous years, and and Sleeper is one that we really like. So, John, without further ado, your sleep your sleeper sneaky start of the week. Almost got you there. Got Good job getting through that. Uh, yeah, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, I think he's somebody that uh, is on some waiver wires and is available for a spot start. Uh, Miami is 25th, or 5th, 15th, and they adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers, but the, the Browns are going to um, have to put up some points to stay, uh, keep pace with the Dolphins, who are, have a really good offense. Um, Peoples-Jones has cleared 71 yards in four of his last five games. He's actually played better on the road where Amari Cooper hasn't been as effective. It's maybe just a weird split, you know, small sample split type of thing. And it might just be a quirk of the schedule or the, the game logs. But uh, Peoples-Jones has six for 60 on 11 targets, five for 71 on nine targets, and six for 71 on six targets in the Browns' three road games. And uh, he's not a bad pickup for the rest of season as well because uh, Deshaun Watson, I believe, is due back next week. Um, and is expected to start right away. So uh, should be getting a quarterback upgrade. This offense might throw the ball a little bit more, uh, and Peoples-Jones has played well. And I do remember some reports that Peoples-Jones and uh, Watson had a good four in camp, uh, training camp, uh, you know, prior to the season. So Peoples-Jones is my sleeper sneaky start of the week. <laughs> he's a really good receiver. He is. He's a good, good uh, real-time receiver. I, I think that, you know, he's kind of overshadowed a little bit, but um, I really like that one, John. All right. I'm still waiting for my I Heart Sneaky Starts t-shirt. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. we gotta get we gotta get to Josh Moore or some somebody to give me that, you know, my I Heart John's sneaky starts. Uh, but when it comes to the sneaky starts this week, and I always remind people this is just the appetizer, 444.com is where you're gonna find John's complete sneaky starts article. They'll give you multiple quarterbacks, multiple running backs, multiple receivers and tight ends. If you're looking for that complete list, again, head to 444.com. Make sure you have a subscription. Uh, it's, it's well worth the price. Starting off with the quarterback, one that that you like this week is uh, is Jimmy G against the Chargers. Yeah, he's not like going to win a week for you, but he, he probably won't lose it either. He's 
he's been really consistent. And he's got, if you just look at his weapons now, with Christian McCaffrey in the fold, man. He's got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, McCaffrey. And there is a chance that Kyle Shanahan decides, okay, we're going to throw the ball a little bit more uh, and not be so run heavy. Um, we'll see. But uh, Garoppolo doesn't, you know, have a lot of rushing yards, really, you know, rushes for a touchdown or anything like that. He's he's just going to be a steady producer in the passing game. He's got, uh, in the last four games, uh, he's at two touchdowns in every game, averaging 272 passing yards. Uh, the, the 49ers have a team total of 26.75 points. Uh, the Chargers are 11th and uh, fancy point, adjusted fancy points allowed to quarterback. So decent matchup. Uh, they're, you know, the 49ers offense should be humming here for the rest of the season. So I think he's going to be a, in the, a regular in the sneaky starts article. Uh, the running back that we wanted to discuss was Jeff Wilson. I, I saw a note that Je Jeff Wilson, who did reach the end zone last week, he played 50% of the snaps against the Bears. Uh, Raheem Mozart only played 46. So it, it would appear, John, that Jeff Wilson is, is going to be in line for plenty of touches. Yeah, and this is supposed to be his uh... – quote uh still finding an apartment still looking for an apartment week uh but we, it shows what a player can do when he's getting traded into uh, a system that he's completely familiar with which is the case with jeff wilson going to mike mcdaniel's offense uh it was a little surprising because mostert had been playing pretty well obviously mostert has history with mcdaniel as well uh but for wilson to out snap mostert in week one of their you know backfield share together Pretty surprising. Um, it does indicate perhaps that they want Wilson to take that job over. Like they view Wilson as uh, as better uh, than Mostert, or we might just see a split like this where uh, you know Wilson and and Mostert are rotating series. Uh, I think Wilson's the better pass catcher. Uh, both players have a little bit of an injury history, so I don't you know I don't think that one is more likely to end up in a bell cow role than the other. Uh, but Wilson seems right now as a little bit more likely of ending up in a lead role where he could end up playing 60% of snaps or 65% of the snaps and seeing uh, 17, 18 touches uh, per game. Uh, he, he out-touched uh, Mostert 12 to 9. Um, Mostert plays, uh, you had a little bit different numbers. I had 49%, 47%, but it's probably just one snap difference. Uh, the Browns, fantastic matchup for running backs. Uh, the 27th adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, to the position. They've given up an average of 105 rushing yards, 1.25 rush touchdowns, 4.95 yards per carry. So there is a chance that both players could, um, I actually wrote up both in sneaky starts that, you, you know, you're probably looking at 12 to 15 touches for both players, maybe 10 to 15, depending on the game flow. But um, both players should see double digit uh, touches and could produce, you know, just one big run against the Browns defense could, uh, could make a fantasy day for either of these guys. And the tight end, Cole Komet of the Bears, as he takes on a Lions defense that, unfortunately, John played pretty well last week against your your Packers, but typically has been shredded. Yeah, you had to bring up the Packer game, uh, <laughs> losing to the Lions. The season's over, uh, essentially. Yeah, I think, well, the Lions did do well. I don't know if the Packers are a great judge of, uh, you know, offensive juggernaut uh, anymore. Uh, it wasn't, I mean, it was still a nice, defensive effort by the Lions picking off Rodgers three times. But I think looking at uh, Komet, and it, I didn't think I'd be writing him up this year, you know, given the way that Bears started. They were so run heavy. He was running a lot of routes, but barely involved in the offense. And then 
over the last two weeks, we might be seeing the beginning of a breakout uh, for him if the Bears commit to the pass a little bit and you know start to get him five to seven targets a week, which is what should be happening. He's a pretty good tight end, pretty good receiving tight end. Uh, last two weeks, he's had two for 11 and a touchdown on two targets. So the, the volume there was really low two weeks ago. But then last week uh, against the Dolphins, five for 41, two touchdowns. Uh, nobody, I'm sure nobody started him. Uh, I think the, you know, DFS some people did, but um, six targets in, in last week's game. So, you know, the, the uh, trade for Chase Claypool, we, we talk about this when teams trade for receivers or really good receivers like the, the Dolphins did. You know, we, we kind of thought came into the season thinking that Mike McDaniel would go run heavy like uh, the 49ers were. That's where he was from. And he was the offensive coordinator there. So you think that he's going to install the same sort of offense where they're, you know, more balanced 50-50 type team. Instead, the, the Tyree Kill trade leads to this wide open pass heavy offense with Tua and, and Waddle and, and Tyreek. So, and then we saw what happened with Buffalo when they traded for uh, Stefan Diggs. So when these, when these teams are making trades for these receivers, and I don't think Claypool is on the same level as Terry Hill or Stefan Diggs, but they are indicating that, you know, they want another weapon alongside Mooney and, and Komet. And uh, maybe they are going to throw the ball a little bit more. And if they do, if they do get to like 30 pass attempts consistently, you know, 28, 30, there's enough targets to go around to support, you know, two to three uh, fantasy weapons. And if you look at the Lions, they're 30th in adjusted fantasy points, a lot of tight ends. They've given up 5.6 uh, catches, 63 yards, and 0.63 touchdowns to the position on average this year. So I think uh, Komet is uh, a threat to get another touchdown this week. And then finally, John, let's wrap up talking about the breakout receiver model. Who's popping this week? Yeah, pulling it up right now. Uh, we've got a perennial uh, Tampa Bay Bucks who have to break out at some point. Mike Evans, <laughs> number one in our, he's, he's got an expected 18.3 uh, half PPR over the last three weeks, expected scoring about 12. And he's a guy with a, a P10 efficiency uh, of 124%. So typically a very productive player. We like to see these guys, big names like this in the in the model, they tend to break out. Well, we'll see. Uh, you know, Tom Brady hasn't thrown multiple touchdowns in a long time, but uh, you know, he's a good quarterback. You'd think that would start happening. And the same thing goes for for Godwin. I don't think he has a touchdown on the season. Uh, he's further down uh the breakout model. He's doing all right. It's yardage and, and receptions for him, but both these guys are due for scores. Um we'll see. Uh, at, at tight end, uh, interestingly, Greg Dolchich, who I started against you this week, Anthony, in our league, I finally found a tight end who I like. <laughs> it's been a grind. It's been a grind. Um, but he's averaging, uh, you know, it's surprising that he's popping in the model, but that shows his usage. Uh, he's got 9.4 uh, fantasy points per game over the last three weeks, uh, expected 14.1. He's averaging 60 yards. Uh, receiving per game for his first three games, which is what uh, Kyle Pitts averaged last year, uh, going for a thousand yards over the course of a full season. Uh, obviously, easier to do it for three games, but signs are there for him to be a good receiving tight end. Maybe the next, uh, you know, top five guy. We'll see. Uh, keep my fingers crossed. 
Uh, Adam Thielen, uh, I think he was a full practice yesterday. He was on the injury report, but he's uh, been underperforming a little bit. Uh, I think some touchdown regression probably headed his way. And then uh, finally, Cortland Sutton coming out of the bye. And I might start on this week just just because I'm facing you. And uh, if 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 uh, I got Gabe Davison right now, but if uh, Josh uh, Allen doesn't play, I might have to pull. I might have to call up uh, Sutton for the bullpen, plug him in, just so we can talk about what happened and see if the breakout receiver model uh, works. Uh, but he has averaged 2.8 on an expected 11.2. One of the biggest underperformers. We know he's a pretty good player. The P10 efficiency is not there at 71%, but he had some good games at the start of the year. Uh, and I think coming out of the bye, like if this was just a regular week, I would probably, you know, we had, they had a game last week and he struggled. I wouldn't necessarily have as much confidence. But, to, you know, players that come into the bye struggle a little bit or struggling into the bye tend to come out a little bit better because they have a couple of weeks to sort of regroup and figure out how do we get this guy going because they're going to need him if they want to win games down the stretch. So, Corlin Sutton is the last guy I wanted to mention for the breakout receiver model. Yeah, John, I think you're all right. I, I started three guys last night that did absolutely nothing. So I think you're off. I think you're off to a pretty good start. Uh, that's John Paulson. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at 444 underscore John. I'm at Anthony Stalter. Make sure you're checking out all the great content that John and the team at 444.com deliver. Not, not only for a season long, but DFS and betting as well. We appreciate uh, you listening to the podcast and, and uh, watching the podcast. And everybody, best of luck this week. I know we're kind of heading down the stretch, so to speak. Well, not even the stretch. We're heading into the second half now. So, everybody, best of luck. Hope you win big. And, again, make sure you're uh, you're following everybody on Twitter and subscribe to 444.com. We will see you next Friday on the Most Accurate Podcast.